This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 59. You think your whole life is great? Mine's universal. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Well, we're all known around here for being not your average on this podcast, uh, and today is no different. So uh, welcome, everybody, to the latest episode. I'm Mark Willis, your co-host, along with Holly Bach. Welcome, Holly. Thank you, Mark. And we are all in for a treat here. We've got some new and exciting financial strategies that we want to bring to you. Of course, as always, a new way of thinking about your life and your money. So what if I told you that there was a relatively new uh, life insurance product uh, that lets you share in a portion of the gains of the stock market in those years when the market is up, but protects you from losses when the market goes down. Whoa. Yeah, sounds pretty exciting, that's right? pretty nice, yeah. Pretty enticing. And what if I threw in some extra sweeteners by telling you that, uh, you know, even in those years when the market tanks, somehow, some magical way, you could be guaranteed an increase of 1%, 2%, or even 3%. What would you say, Holly? Whoa. Where do I sign up? (laughs) So, you know, we look uh, a lot at financial strategies and, and, uh, you know, concepts. This is a world that constantly is coming up with new ways to put money to work. And of course, we've, uh, if, if you're a longtime listener, you know that we look at whole life insurance on this podcast. But for many of our listeners, uh, they may have also heard of another form of permanent life insurance called uh, indexed universal life, which makes many of the claims I just gave you, plus uh, maybe even more sometimes. So we're going to spend some uh, time over this episode and the next, uh, actually the next three total episodes, we're unraveling that product for you helping to share all the positives along with the negatives. So, uh, first of all, permanent life insurance, what is that? Uh, You know, it's kind of more verbiage uh, in the industry. It just means it's a life insurance policy designed to provide protection for the insured's entire life, you know, typically up to 121 years of age. So we're not quite keeping up with Methuselah just yet, but 121 is still a pretty (laughs) darn long time. So contrast permanent life insurance Uh, with term insurance, which usually provides protection for a short period of time, like 10 years, 20 years. Uh, And so in addition to paying a death benefit, permanent life policies are designed to create some living benefits like cash value, uh, which give you some tax deferred growth on your money, accessing it with no taxes due, of course, under current law. So some of those, uh, we've got a couple of varietals um, that we can uh, taste. It's a sampling of permanent life insurance today on your uh, episode. And that includes whole life insurance, universal life, intrasensitive whole life, indexed universal life, variable life insurance, variable universal life insurance. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. So how, Holly, are we going to navigate this alphabet soup today? Yeah. So um, first off, and you'll also hear them in their abbreviations, right? So they're not even always, to make matters worse, they're not always yeah. fully spelled out. Um, and so the first type we kind of want to talk about, again, you know, whole life insurance is its own type of permanent life insurance. And we've talked about that in a number of episodes. So we're not going to talk about whole life here. But the one we wanted to unravel is universal life. 
okay, which will sometimes just be abbreviated to UL. Right. Okay. And I, I'll say most folks don't know the, the varieties of universal out there. Mm-hmm. So kind of break that down for just a few minutes. Yeah. So universal life as kind of the head of that category, universal life insurance is a permanent life insurance product with an investment savings element and low premiums, kind of like a term life insurance policy might offer. So the premium of the policy is going to look a little bit more um, like a term insurance cost, but it's still going to have a savings element and still kind of have a cash value side to it. So UL, Universal Life, consists of two components, a cost of insurance amount, or COI, and a savings component, which is known as the cash value. Um, And really, as people were designing this product and thinking about this product, their motivation was kind of trying to find the best of both worlds Mm -hmm. in the products that existed. Um, Previous to the invention of universal life, there only was term insurance and whole life insurance. And so the conflict that they were feeling was, you know, everyone wanted the whole life insurance for the the savings side, but then um, people wanted the term insurance for the low premium. So they're like, well, what if we tried to just merge the two, create universal life and give everyone the best of both worlds, um, was really kind of the motivation and the thinking. So thus created universal life, but then universal life kind of got broken down into two subtypes. Um, So underneath universal life, there is variable universal life, which is sometimes abbreviated to just VUL. So variable universal life has variable, as the name would indicate, sub-accounts that allow for the investment of the cash value. So really the difference here between um, the subcategories of universal life is what's going on in that cash account. You know, you what what mm-hmm. is your cash value doing and, and how is it growing? Um, and so with a variable universal life account, the function of that, um, those sub-accounts is very similar to like a mutual fund. So the cash value is fully exposed to the market. It's going to fluctuate in in, uh, value and can generate significant returns, but could also result in substantial losses. So this insurance obviously gets its name from the varying results of investment in the ever-fluctuating market. And so just very quickly, and you're doing a great job here, Holly, swimming deep into the the (laughs) thick soup of all this. But, you know, one of the things you mentioned is sub-account. Sub-account. Can you share a bit more? What makes that different than, say, a whole life policy, for example? Where is their money when someone has a a whole life policy relative to maybe a variable? Mm -hmm. So I guess the way that it works is when you have a whole life insurance policy, you have a cash value number that is going to be attributed to your uh, policy. So when you you know ask, hey, what's my cash value? They're going to give you a number. When in reality, that money is part of the general fund of the insurance company. 10 to $20 billion large, and you have a small slice of that pool as yeah. a whole life policy owner. Okay. Yeah, which they're obviously going to have, you know, that's going to be diversely, um, you know, diversified and, mm-hmm. and allocated in that portfolio. Some of it might be in bonds, real estate, you know, and yeah. some of it's just going to be cold, hard cash just there sitting go. there because they have to. Um, again, so you can get to it when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really sitting in this general fund that the insurance company is managing. However, contrast that with universal life, these sub accounts you mentioned, Mark, they are 
like your account in a way. I mean, it's very, very similar separate to... Separate account. Yeah, it's a mm. separate account. It's very similar to like if you had a, a mutual fund. Brokerage um, account. Or a brokerage or, account, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. So the insurance company is literally taking your dollars and actually putting it into those investments. So this isn't just, hey, insurance company, take my money, do the right thing with it, you know, and, and just give me my return. Um, it is, hey, okay, you told us you wanted it in this, 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 and this. It, you know, you've got 40% in this fund, 20% in this fund, and yada, yada, yada. And so depending upon how those funds perform, you're going to see the direct relation of how that account performs reflected in your cash value. So if there's a 5% increase, you're going to see a 5% increase. There's a 10% loss, mm-hmm. you're going to see a 10% loss. Whereas whole life insurance, you know, the general fund, the insurance company's portfolio does its thing. You know, it's, you know, got its ups and, ups and downs all over the place. But then, you know, you just kind of get the net positive of, yeah. of what comes out. Got it. So and that's then, what's kind of going on. So it's completely separate. So with whole life insurance, the insurance company has it. They're investing it with universal life, or at least specifically variable universal life. They're actually putting it into those specific investments for and you. So you're hopeful that you get a better return than maybe the, mar- the uh, insurance company could do for you. Got it. Exactly. Because we all know how to invest so much better than a huge, <laughs> giant insurance company yeah. with billions of dollars at their disposal to make sure they're getting the best Holly, rates and returns. Holly, this part of the episode is just dispassionately explaining the differences. No, I'm just kidding. No. So, <laughs> Oops, so, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so what about uh, IUL, indexed universal life? That is another uh, variant. So tell us yes. a bit about that. Okay. So again, to give you your, our structure, we have universal life at the top. Underneath universal life, we have variable universal life, which we just talked about, where your money is explicitly invested into those um Uh, those different accounts and different investments. Then we have also underneath universal life, um, a type called indexed universal life, which is sometimes abbreviated to be IUL. And so indexed universal life allows the owner to allocate cash value amounts to either a fixed account or an equity index account. So policies will offer a variety of well-known indexes, such as the S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100. Um, IUL policies are more volatile than fixed ULs, but less risky than variable universal life policies because no money is actually invested in the equity positions. Okay. All right. So we've got a a couple of different varieties here, and uh, each one has a certain risk, risk tolerance. Um, So... How did we get here? I mean, so, uh, dear listener, if you're still with us uh, and haven't crashed into a tree trying to keep up with all of this, uh, good for you. Uh, Take a moment, you know, take a drink, whatever you need to do to kind of come back to us here. uh, And uh, we'll get you some smelling salts. And so now what what I'd like to do is how do we end up here? How do we end up with these various uh, products that have been made available to uh, Americans and, and really beyond that as well, Canadians elsewhere? So take a moment. Let's look over the history. So the history really started with uh, some, of the, especially after ERISA in the 70s, but the, the death of the pension plan really coincided with the rise of universal life insurance. So recall that whole life insurance has been uh, with us for over 200 years, whereas uh, universal life has really popped up in just the last few decades. So pensions were once you know a core part of corporate culture in America and, of course, other parts of the world. Uh, and in those days, it was the culture really that was just placed on uh, having a high value of taking care of employees, giving them that uh, guaranteed future income. 
All of that changed with the advent of the 401k, which was a part of some tax law changes uh, in the late 70s. Uh, and the 401k, you know, which got its start in the early 80s, put the risk um, of, from the pension plan administrator or the employer. The pension was uh, removed and a 401k was re- there to replace it. And we all know now that the 401k is actually putting the risk back on the employee's shoulders. So it really uh, was a, a trend that was taking place in the financial industry in the early 80s to put that uh, risk back on the individual. And so individual uh, insurance companies followed that same trend. They offered that carrot of you know, higher returns with uh, life insurance products too. The, the stodgy old whole life wasn't doing it in those high interest rate environments. If you remember back to early 80s when mortgages were you know, 15, 18%, whole life wasn't keeping up in the moment. So you know, we were looking for higher yield. Uh, I can understand the rationale there. So the idea behind uh, insurance is to shift the burden of managing risk and growth uh, to the insurance company. But with universal life, it actually does the exact opposite. The policyholder is back in charge, having to manage the policy. Uh, so, you know, how do we get here? And, and really, were there any key key players, Holly, that brought this to fruition? Mm-hmm. So E.F. Hutton was the first company to introduce universal life insurance, and that was back in 1977. And it actually took the market by storm. Understandably, like you said, we were in that those high interest rate um, environments. And so at the time, it became the competitive alternative to participating, which is whole life insurance. And in turn, many agents started selling universal life. Uh, by the early 80s, agents were using computer illustrations to show, to show prospects a lower premium for the same amount of insurance that they could get with whole life or the same premium for a larger amount of insurance than they could otherwise get with whole life. And so these illustrations often projected high interest rates into the future, which was logically impossible. But you know, by law, they were allowed to use the um, returns and dividends that the insurance company had been enjoying and just project them into the future. Um, and so the basis for the product was a savings fund and an insurance element. Mm. So an indexed universal life insurance policy is essentially an annually renewing term insurance policy with a cash account on the side. Now, term insurance policies get more expensive as you get older, as most people know, until ultimately they become so costly that most people are forced to drop them. I mean, Mm-hmm. If if yeah. you if you haven't gone through this personally, you probably know someone who has. I yeah. know many people that, um, for some reason, were, were thinking of their term insurance policy, their temporary insurance policy, as a permanent type. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, they hit their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they're starting to see their premiums, you know, triple, quadruple, and just blow yeah. up. And um, that's when they say, I can't afford this anymore, and they drop it. And so that's exactly what's designed to do. So you you, you mentioned annual renewable term. Uh, that So the words there are really important. You know, words matter with these things. So annual, that means yearly. Renewable means it'll change every year. Uh, so, you know, it's like the insurance company took a look at your um, – birthday every year and said, oh, well, what do you know? Holly's uh, a year older this year. Let's charge her a bit more for that term insurance uh, component inside the universal life. And you're, mo- you're, you're mentioning here, Holly, that you know those high interest rates were supposed to help us compensate for that in- increase in cost of insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also said it was logically impossible. Uh, you can go back to uh, one of the Les Himmel episodes uh, to talk about you know how that was logically impossible, the, the problem of 
um, a straight line projection versus the real rate of return uh, of, of the index, the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go back and check out those episodes if you'd like, episode 52 in particular. Yeah. And so, I mean, in an IUL policy, the term insurance, like you said, automatically renews every year at a higher rate because you are a year older. And so really it's destined for all the same problems as, you know, the term insurance policy. Mm, I see. So you've got the, you've got this cash that you've built up in your younger years And the hope is that that uh, interest rate and the index or the variable uh, returns of the market will help keep up with all those extra birthday uh, candles on your birthday cake. (laughs) Uh, But in reality, we've sort of seen that that might or might not always take, take, uh, take place. So, you know, UL was marketed as this unbundling. Uh, In fact, of all people, Ralph Nader is, is a character in this in this story. He he was really aggressive against whole life insurance for this quote black box of expenses, and so he really pushed for the unbundling to just lay it all out there. Insurance company, show us what the insurance cost is, show us what the interest rate is on your cash. Uh, so you know, insurance salespeople uh, led consumers to believe that whole life was this black box, as they said, this overly expensive insurance policy. Um, now, fast forward to today, uh, and now recently, we're now in like 20, at this point, 2015 in our story. And now uh, New York State has started uh, some watchdog groups, uh, financial watchdog groups and investigations on the sales practices that insurance companies and agents are using to promote universal life insurance, specifically indexed universal life, expressing concerns that those illustrations that were projected were wildly inaccurate, their words, right? and how many people could be harmed. This is a a Reuters article that that we were reading on this in preparation for the episode today. So in 2015, the state insurance regulator adopted a new guideline for marketing materials uh, that insurance companies and agents have to to produce for uh, potential buyers. And that limits that, that return, that investment gain that could be used to illustrate a policy's performance. I mean, I've seen, Holly, honestly, I've seen illustrations from the you know early 2000s, you know before 2008, where it was 12% a year mm-hmm. uh, of average returns, 15 sometimes. Now they've pulled that back down to almost six, but according to Dalbar, that's even too high. You know mm-hmm. the Dalbar report. Go back and listen to certain episodes. Boy, I should have my numbers in in front of me here, but uh, <laughs> you know just listen to all our episodes. There you go. Pretty sure it's episode. <laughs> I listen to the first three, and it's in there. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. So uh, yeah, Dalbar says the average re- equity fund investor is doing about 3.98% over 30 years. So if your IUL illustration shows much more than three and a half to four and a half percent, that is uh, you know too optimistic, at least over the last 30 year period. Mm-hmm. And so, Mark, you know, why would someone want an IUL? Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. So there are some good reasons. I mean, you know, if you wanted tremendous flexibility in your premium. You know, Universal Life has a very flexible premium. Uh, also, if you like the variable interest rates, current assumption Universal Life is good or indexed uh, Universal Life will give you that varying rate. You can you, you just can't find a bouncing up and down whole life policy doing 5% this year, 12% next year, 0% the next year. It's much more steady with whole life. Um, if you wanted a blend of the market and life insurance, you know, if you like that, um, you could look at Index Universal Life, which adds uh, some stock market component, even though you're not actually investing. And your growth potential could be higher than a typical whole life policy. You know, if you could do, 
Um, if you could certainly do it in a certain year, you could possibly cap out at you know 10, 12 percent. Uh, and you know those hot illustrations look really nice, you know, to show off at cocktail parties. So if you <laughs> like, if you if you like showing off at cocktail parties, uh, get an IUL. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know that's part of the problem, though, is those illustrations or calculations or spreadsheets that you're you're typically given show something that may or may not reflect reality. So if you like fantasy novels, maybe you'd like to read an IUL illustration. So, you know, there are, um, you know, a, a, a number of upsides to these, and, and there may even be a place for something like this in your portfolio. Uh, but I wouldn't recommend it as a cash accumulator. I certainly wouldn't recommend it for the bank on yourself strategy. Um, you know, and it, it most often uh, tends to be more of a burden in the later years than a help. Uh, Holly, would you add anything to that uh, or any other thoughts, downsides, upsides, sideways sides, anything at all? <laughs> um, I guess maybe as a type of sideways comment um, is that, you know, like you said, every every circumstance is different. And so I would say that, you know, this is somewhat circumstantial. There are cases where sometimes maybe a, uni- a type of universal life policy, you know, we can see which which one it is, might make sense. I've actually had legitimate conversations with clients where a um, universal life policy actually was a good fit for their circumstance. Um, so this isn't to say that it's, it's, it's all bad, it's never good, it's always bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more yep. just, you know, we're different here. And so we're kind of going against what you would normally hear, which is that universal life is this like product that's descended from the gods upon us to solve all your problems. Um, Because what we've been seeing, and we're not just, again, we're not different because we want to be. Um, We're different Mm -hmm. because what we're seeing is not that case. And um, we've seen the results of what these products have done to some individuals. Other people, it works out great. Other people, not so great. Um, and so really, that's just kind of where, where we're coming from with this. So it's not to say that it's it's all bad or always bad. Um, it's just be much more cautious. And it's not necessarily this, you know, just, um, you know, magic mm-hmm. product that is always going to be, you know, perfect for everyone. I'd say that, you know, if your goal is to leave a guaranteed death benefit and you don't mind paying premiums till you're 100 years old, then look at universal life. There are some guaranteed universal life that as long as you don't miss a payment and the mailman doesn't show up late to the insurance company with your premium and there's no changes at all and you're absolutely certain that that payment is going to hit the insurance company on the nose uh, every year and all you care about is the death benefit, then take a look, you know, and we can certainly uh, run those illustrations for you. However, 99% of the people that we come to or come to us and and, uh, share their existing universal life policies or thinking about UL, it's all about, you know, how can I get a higher rate of return on my cash value? And that Mm -hmm. is... That's not what this is going to do. (laughs) Yeah, it's like trying to, you know, um, you know, it's trying to drive the airplane down the runway. It just doesn't doesn't work at the end of the day. So we can't wait to share our next episode with you guys. There's going to be a ton more content on this. So uh, we look forward to it and I hope you will too. Um, So thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only 
and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.